So I tell you what, you know, because of the way of my cosmovision, I don't see anything as a test because I don't think we get tested. It's the universe speaking to you, dancing with you, right? Hello, yogis, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 53. Before we get into the show, I want to make a big shout out and thank you to Trisha Colsby for making a donation to support the podcast. Trisha, thank you. I appreciate your support so much. And if any other listeners would like to make a donation, you can always do that on the website, henrywins.com, or you can also get there at dharmatalk.show. Now, about this week's interview. My guest is Ulysses Kalatayud, and I entitled the episode Go Full Circle because Ulysses is a prime example of doing just that. Ulysses started a career in the corporate world and was very successful with that, and for quite a long time, he was keeping two separate lives between his corporate existence and his spiritual world. But ultimately, what allowed him to step into his role today as someone who is changing lives from the inside out and the outside in was to integrate those two things, to bring his corporate experience into his spiritual teachings. And that is something that he learned from Tantra. And that's just one of the many different tools in his tool belt that we'll be talking about in this episode. When you listen to our conversation, you're going to hear from Ulysses on certain universal laws that, if we accept, will allow us to live in harmony with nature. He shares about his experience learning various traditions and rituals from native peoples and respected teachers and maintaining the integrity of these practices, even in combination. He talks about turning his human experience into his practice by combining his corporate identity with his spiritual world. And finally, Ulysses shares why he created the Full Circle program and how he has helped dozens of people develop a personalized system for conscious transformation. Before we get into the interview, Ulysses has made a very special offer to the Dharma Talk community. If this full circle program is of interest to you, set up a conversation with him and his team. You can do that by heading to yogacare.com and there's a page all about the full circle program. When you speak to them, mention Henry wins and you will get $100 off your exchange. Again, that's yogacare.com and mention Henry wins to save $100 on your exchange into this personalized program for transformation. Okay, stay tuned through these announcements and we'll dive into my interview with Ulysses Kalatayud. This episode is brought to you in part by Yoga East Austin. If you're considering joining the upcoming 50-hour rocket yoga training at Yoga East Austin, be sure to act now. There are already 40 amazing yogis from all over the world signed up, and there are only a handful of spots left. You know I'll be there. You've already heard how I feel about the city of Austin and the host studio Yoga East Austin, and I'm sure their reputations alone are playing a part in the global pull. But David Kyle himself is pretty legendary, and I'm certain he's attracting the most diehard of rocket and ashtanga yoga enthusiasts. 
David started his yoga journey at the tender age of 20. Originally a beat boy, he was a quick study under his very first yoga teacher and eventual mentor, Larry Schultz, the founder of Rocket Yoga. Yep, David's first yoga class ever was an Ashtanga class with Larry, who was one of the original American students of the father of Ashtanga yoga, Patavi Joyce. It wasn't long before David moved to San Francisco to learn and teach at Larry's Shala, It's Yoga. Larry developed the rocket system while touring as the Grateful Dead's private yoga teacher, and David helped Larry fine-tune and spread that system through teacher trainings. I'm really looking forward to meeting David. I can't wait to hear more of his personal story and, of course, absorb as much of his knowledge as possible. If, like me, you're interested in adding another yoga tool to your yoga tool belt, here's one crafted by a teacher with deep roots. It's all taking place April 24th to 28th at Yoga East Austin. For more information and registration, head to yogaeastaustin.com rocket. As always, you can check out my upcoming workshops and events at henrywins.com events. This Saturday, I'll be teaching an arm balancing workshop at Three Jewels in New York City. April 6th and 7th, my wife Veronica and I are leading an immersion at Original Hot Yoga 305 in Miami, Florida. Then the following weekend, April 12th through 14th, I'll be at Fuel Hot Yoga in Athens, Georgia. And lastly, in October 25th through 27th, Veronica and I will be teaching at Shala Ananda Yoga down in Bucerias, Mexico. Again, to get the details and sign up, head to henrywins.com events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your Dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my friend Ulysses Kalatayud on the line. After a successful career as an international executive in the corporate world, Ulysses is now dedicated to helping people become the best version of themselves through mind, body, and soul techniques at his yoga studio, Yoga Care, in downtown Manhattan. He helps people express their maximum human potential with the objective of living the best life we can possibly live. Ulysses is the president of the International Yoga Sports Federation, founder of The Full Circle, a transformative yoga philosophy program, senior Bikram yoga and Dharma yoga and sky dancing tantra teacher and Reiki master. Ulysses, it's my pleasure to have you on Dharma Talk today. How are you? Hi, Henry. Thank you for the honor of uh, sharing this space with you and thank you for everyone that is uh, listening to us. Well, Ulysses, we always start with the same first question, so we're going to jump in with that one. What does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today? Okay, that's a beautiful question. Uh, so, dharma for me is the universal law or the way to live in harmony with the universal law, right? So, 
the Dharma itself teaches us how to live. And in the context of, uh, of where the word Dharma came, which I believe maybe was Buddha the first one to use it, uh, what it means is that when we live uh, in synchronicity, in harmony with the universal laws, that are eternal and they're always there, then we free ourselves from suffering because we are in synchronicity with the way things are. And an important thing about this is that Dharma is not really a religion, but Dharma is, you know, for me, is really very simple understanding of how things really are. And that means that we human beings are spiritual beings. So there's always a relationship between Dharma and spirituality, but not necessarily with religion. So that's what, for me, Dharma is. What is my Dharma? You just described it in, uh, uh, when, you, when, when, when you introduced me. Thanks for that uh, beautiful introduction. Uh, I just live my life trying to share what I have received from my teachers and to share it, sharing all these uh, different, uh, let's call them technologies that I know help me. And I've seen now how they help thousands of people I've been blessed to share it with. So I just dedicate my life to be a vehicle of the creator's love in any way it manifests. Right now, having this conversation with you. That's beautiful. And I know from speaking to you and also from your introduction that you are well-versed in quite a lot of different, as you put it, technologies. But before we get into that, um, I wanted to probe a little deeper on the point you made around synchronicity with eternal laws leading to a life with minimal suffering. What, what do you make of that statement? What, is, what are these eternal laws that we should be striving to live in harmony with? All right, so uh, what we, the best way to do this is to observe, uh, but we have to first observe uh, ourselves. And within ourselves, we can see this because you've heard the term as above is below. So these this universal laws that I'm calling them are, they reflect in all levels of existence, all right? And they are simple and very natural. So let's say one is there's it's it is a universal law, for example, that uh, if that as human beings, creation is acting in us the way same way it's acting in everywhere, which is always reproducing itself, recreating itself. You see, if, if creation would have create, come to existence and created and then stopped that process, then there would be no more creation anymore. So that means that we have to be in synchronicity with the knowledge of that we are always being regenerated and recreated. And now we observe our bodies, we can see that. There's new cells being created within us all the time. Now, when you see that, that leads you to the nature of things that 
everything is eternal, see? Which is from our context of, uh, from a human being, it's hard to grasp because mainly, mainly because of the, uh, the uh, human uh, beliefs that we grow up within. You know, uh, can you perceive that maybe when a being arrives to this world, as it, that being arrives, it doesn't feel like, okay, I'm going to die eventually. It's just living, right? And, right. Uh, and but we lose that. And very soon, we are like, uh, it's not like we are forced, but we're like brought into the belief that, Wow, the clock is ticking. We're going like we're running out of time, and and for that comes things like greed and jealousy and fear and all those things. Because if you, we live from insufficiency, from the very most important thing, which is life. We're all believing that you know the clock. Like, is the example I like to use is like if you turn on a candle. People believe that our life is like burning a candle that is burning every moment is burning until it's going to extinguish. And that is not the case. Creation is recreating itself all the time. So our nature is that. And it's not just a nice new agey thing to say. When I say it, I mean it literally. But that's an example of one. And there's like that other universal loss, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I see that's it's a bit of a paradox. But I, the way that you explained it, it does make sense. It's this idea that, you know, it's hard to grasp because we see things, the impermanence of things constantly changing. But once you reflect on creation itself being something that's dynamic and ongoing, then you see that the manifestation, the creation, and the creator are actually both aligned in that eternal dynamic nature. Correct. Yeah. Um, because the reason why is you cannot separate the creator from the creation. Right. That's another law. See, it's like a, a poet is in the poem. You cannot separate the poem from the poet. Can you grasp that? Rumi is in the poems. Mm -hmm. The poem is Rumi. You want to know Rumi? Read his poems. Right. Then you'll know him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Say the same thing is with all creation, you know, same with a painter or the same thing with everything. You know, you want to know creation, it's there everywhere. Yeah. And you, the creator is there. You want to know God, you want to know source then explore nature. Yeah. But now let's, let's go. This is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Just explore nature and you will see that it's expressing everywhere. Right. Right. And, and it's alive everywhere. This is back to the first one that I was talking about. It's like, you know, it's, there's, if you see uh, uh, the woods, there are new trees growing and there's like birds being born and the wind blowing and new rain falling and this, the, this is the trees pulling all the nutrients from the, from the earth to the roots. It's always like that dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is a very important thing. Are you and I part of this nature, as you call it, of this creation? 
or we separate from it. I would say that we are part of it. Absolutely. Really, nothing can be outside creation, right? Right. There's only one. Or else, creation. what is it? Yeah, I mean that's right. <laughs> exactly. See, these are very simple things. So you and I, we are part of this creation. So the same way it's recreating itself everywhere, it's recreating within ourselves. And if we're saying that if we want to find God, all we have to do is observe nature. It's so close to us, it's within us. Right. See, for a lot of people, this term, and, and I don't like using the word God so much because it has a cultural context. Sure. Let's, let's, let's use the creator. Or let's let's use you know the 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 force or you know the the one or whatever. Mm-hmm. As you're listening to this, and I'm grateful again that you taking a moment to listen. Uh, just whatever that concept is. Realize that for many people, it's like this. This is something that is outside of us in some remote place. You know, like maybe call heaven or whatever, right? But it's not. It's everywhere, but most importantly, is in you. Everywhere in you, from your head to your toes. So we can get to know it so much because it's as close as us as we can get. Is that beautiful? It's amazing. It's the miracle <laughs> of existence. Exactly. That is, that is, yeah, this is the, this is it. That's the miracle. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand you've been studying meditation and philosophies for like this for some 20 years or more. Where would you say most of your knowledge has, has come from? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a, a great question. So these things that I'm sharing with you, first of all, it's not things that I came up with. These were things that were shared with me, but the only thing that my teachers were able to do is inspire me, inspire me to practice. Because these concepts are not for us to rationally understand them or grasp them. We have to find them in the, in the true power, which is the power of the silence that happens in meditation. Uh, right. So what, the, what is your practice? Okay. So, you know, in a way I've been, I've been blessed in, in, uh, having different aspects of practice. And I know that there are many teachers that, uh, that say that we have to follow, uh, you have to follow one path and just stick to that path for, you know, whatever reason that hasn't been my case. Mm-hmm. I have had uh, throughout the last 25 years different people coming to me and sharing different things with me. And the, the thing that I always, um, that, that was always the common denominator is that more than sharing a concept with me, they share with me a specific practice. Someone once told me, breathe this way, okay? do these breathing exercises and this is maybe i could say this is like the 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 cornerstone of of what i've uh, what has happened you know because i i or i grew up uh in a very scientific family of 
you know, my mother and my dad, you know, both scientists and, uh, and I myself studied electrical engineering. So uh, through a very magical encounter that I had during a trip in, uh, in Costa Rica, actually, I was in a business trip and I found this being that told me a few things that opened myself to the possibility that this, that there was a lot beyond of what I could touch, feel, smell, taste, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that awakened on me like a very blissful sensation. I had gone through a very, uh, uh, very tough situation um, in my life. And uh, this, I know, had prepared me to be open to, to hear these things. So for many of us, sometimes it's like that. I think less and less in our times, it's not going to be necessary. But anyway, what has been shared with me is practices. Now, what is my practice? So I practice with uh, working with my body. So as you and I share many times, and it's a blessing to watch you, uh, we share you know, the, the, the practice of uh, Hatha Yoga, right? So Hatha Yoga, the practice of asana. I also have been taught, uh, and uh, as far as asana and Hatha Yoga, the main uh, way I practice is Bikram Yoga. I've been practicing for many, many years. And uh, I also practice Dharma Yoga, uh, as, as you know, and study with uh, Sri Dharma Mitra, which is a great honor. So anyway, so it's the practice of Hatha Yoga. And also I've been uh, through the study of uh, a lot of what the the yoga science is and other sciences learn about how to nurture my body. A lot of these, like for example, I used to, I have sun dance for a few years with the Lakotas up in the Black Hill. And one, one time we were in the sun dance and I was, you know, I don't know if you, how much you know of this ritual. It's one of the most ancient rituals. I don't it's know much very, about it. I'd love to hear about it's, it. It's a very beautiful ritual, and it's really, really ancient. And what it is, is um, what it is, is it's a prayer. See? You are praying, and like many other uh, rituals, the, they are designed to uh, enhance the prayer through the actual ritual. So very important thing is not to confuse the ritual itself because the ritual is only the bridge. The ritual is meant to take you to another, uh, let's say, a state of consciousness. In this case, what you do is you dance for four days from when the sun rises to when the sun sets. You start with a uh, sweat lodge at sunrise, finish with a sweat lodge at, uh, uh, when the sun sets. And you're dancing all day but you don't eat any food and you only get a little bit of water, not even a glass of water every day. So, and here we are laying down on a teepee because you do rest uh, like, you know, the leader of the Sundance when they see, you know, like, I remember one time he told me, you know, you can't kill your warriors because then you won't have any (laughs) one to do it with. So when they see, they they measure and then, so I was resting next to a brother there and he actually um, um, 
said to me, have you ever tried the master cleanse? I'm like, no. And then he said, you should look it up. You're going to like it. It's, you know, it's a, a very beautiful day. And then, you know, I, since then I went back, I looked at it and you know, the master cleanse, I imagine. Uh, I and think I, I know. I have, done the, I have done this fast about 60 times in my life, right? So then I learned about fasting by trying it. This is so like anyway, cayenne and, and lemon yeah, and water. Correct. Yeah. 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 And uh, of course, after fasting with no water and no food for four days, you can, it's easier to do that one because now your mind has shifted that to know that you can do these things. Oh, yeah. So, any, yeah. That's powerful. so anyway, so I do these type of things. You know, I do a lot of kriyas in the morning, you know, like cleansing of my body, cleansing of my mind. I, I breathe and meditate in the morning. I usually wake up at 4 a.m. Uh, because it takes me about two hours to do everything that I that I do um, all together, and I use so I use these specific breathing techniques that come from Tibet. Uh, they're known as the science of mental physics. I do different types of meditation, mainly from the yogic traditions and from the uh, from the mental physics uh, philosophy. And then uh, I also do a practice of Hatha Yoga, maybe like five, six times a week. And then the main thing for me is meditation. You know, I think the ultimate uh, destination of all human beings is to be in a state of meditation all the time. Not only when we practice it, I believe when we practice, we remember how it feels to be in that state. And the more we do it slowly, slowly, um, they, we can remain like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, a lot of the things that I do are also very much influenced by uh, by tantra, and um, that's a blessing. You know, it's it's funny, Henry. These things came into my life at different stages. As one grew, then a new one will come. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if we use a, a yogi philosophy how you have, you know, uh, Hatha Yoga and you have Bhakti Yoga and you have Karma Yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when one aspect of your being grows, let's say you get more fit uh, and physically more healthy, then maybe something awakens in you that you want to s- be of service. And this is something that you probably have observed and you yourself probably, that's why you would hear, you know? Yes. Maybe your practice of asana brought you to say, I need to share this. This is a very common thing that I've seen in myself and in many, many thousands of people I've been blessed to to share through the last 20 some years. Uh, this. So now you have to nurture that and make it grow. And then hopefully, you know, as you're doing the service and some uh, joy and gratefulness comes to you, the gratefulness grows. Now you want to grow your devotional part. You know, the bhakti is so important. Yes. And that, then that absolutely resonates with me and many fellow yoga teachers that I've spoken to. And thank you for sharing kind of a glimpse into all of these different techniques that you've learned from various teachers along the way. You have this two hour kind of sadhana each morning that takes you through asana. Um, various breathing techniques, uh, cleansing rituals and kriyas. And then I understand that you 
you know, just like you said, at, at a certain point, your own personal practice that has served you turns into a desire to share and serve with others. Tell me about this full circle program that you've developed and how you've integrated the various modalities and techniques in your practice into something that you're sharing with other people. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, you know, what happened is I used to be doing all this while I was working in the corporate world. And, uh, and, uh, and I saw my career transform the relationship with my beloved, uh, uh, partner of life, Ali, and my wife, and in my family, my health changing, and uh, you know, and and like having all the success. And I, I, I just decided. I just had this uh, uncontrollable desire of sharing it. So one day, I just decided uh, that said, you know, uh, I was like really uh, doing really well. I really enjoyed it, but. The, one, the desire for me to share it was bigger than, than, uh, than continuing my career in the corporate world. So one day, you know, I, I took the step of leaving that world. Uh, and, but then I wanted to, like, stay connected with everyone, the world that I knew, right, and with all my friends and everything. And I started teaching all these different modalities independently, Right. So one of the things that happened is that I uh, opened many yoga studios. I have opened 10 in total in the last few years. Uh, right now, I only have the one in New York City and I'm still partnering the one in, in one in Mexico City. But anyway, I open all these studios and I would teach yoga to people. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I would do retreats for Tantra and I would teach them these different uh, rituals and techniques. And then I, I run weekly breathing uh, classes and weekly meditation classes. And most people only went to one, perhaps two of those. So like my, I use the example of the, of, that's more common in our world, which is like the Hatha Yoga, right? In Bikram Yoga, I had thousands of students because I had eight, it's eight, eight schools, right? Mm-hmm. And they were all healed physically from all these miraculous, beautiful stories that we're all full of and that we all know. But then I would always feel that I would get stuck with them or not myself, but I couldn't take them further in their practice because there was something deeper that I wanted to share. When you step from the practice, from just a mere physical activity to that point where you disappear and surrender, which is the definition of asana, right? Right. When when you master a pose is when you you go to another world, let's call it, in the middle of the of, of the asana, regardless of how you can do it. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to do it in a certain way. You might not be very flexible or whatever, but you go to that space. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, and then, you know, some of my meditation people is like, where were you? Oh, you know, I'm so sick and my back hurts. And I was like, yeah, of course, because asana is designed so you can sit and meditate, you know? So one day, um, I just decided, why don't I put all these teachings together? Before you go on, I want to ask a question because you mentioned earlier, um, that your experience with your path, your spiritual evolution has not been one of following a straight and narrow path and that you have 
explored and received teachings from various sources. Was there a reservation at some point before you created the Full Circle program that kept you um, maintaining the distinctness, the separateness of each of these different modalities? Yeah, beautiful question. Thank you so much. This is a very important thing. The reason why I believe many teachers say you can't follow more. First of all, let me say that I I I have been blessed mainly, I think, by my relationship with native peoples. You know, uh, in many different places. In the, in the Andes and in the Amazon and as I mentioned with the Lakotas and all that and of course a lot in Mexico uh, the relationship of, of respecting uh, elders and the relationship of, to have with a guru right and I right. had a very deep profound res- uh, relationship with all my teachers mm-hmm. without now the, the reason why I like your question so much is because what is very important is that the practices do not get blended. You know, I don't teach a Bikram yoga class and make you do mental physics breathing in the middle of the class. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I am teaching a Bikram yoga class, I teach it as close as I can gather that I have learned from Bikram or if I'm teaching a Dharma class, as close as what Sri Dharma Mitra has transmitted to me and my closest understanding of what he expresses through his practice. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, if, if you and I sit for a breathing class that comes from mental physics, that is an ancient Tibetan tradition, then we will only do that. I'm not going to do pranayama breathing from the Indian yogis and then the next moment you're going to be doing a different type of breathing. That's why I kept it that way. Mm-hmm. But And that is very important, you know. When I do all my, all throughout the day, I'm doing my different practices. When I'm doing the one that I'm doing, I'm like connected with that guru and only with that tradition and living that tradition. Afterwards, I can be doing something else. In the end, you grasp that the essence of all of them are the same, see? Right. You know, it's they're not exclusive, and they don't they don't uh, they don't counter counter each other. You know, there's no contradiction between them. So the the reason I decided to put them together is because if I go, the people that join the full circle, we make an agreement. You and I, we make an agreement uh, for a certain amount of time you're going to be dedicated to this practice or to this program, right? And you're going to follow the steps and let the fire of your experience be the judge. As I said, Kenry, uh, only, I'm only a vehicle of this. None of this comes from me. It all comes from my teachers. I'm a vehicle out of gratefulness because they were patient with me and they... You know, they were always there for me to do it. The only credit, if I have any, is that whenever someone asks me, try this, I tried it. And then my experience, let me know, this works. So anyway, the way I put them together is in a, in a, 
in a program where the objective of you trying all these ones is that they become part of your life as they become part of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, so the emphasis of the full circle is that it really is a program that has a set amount of time, but really it's not. My idea is I have to do it that way because to fit it into our context, right? But at once we finish, let's say, what's defined as our time together, most people, and I can tell you this, this happens, continue to live this way. So it's about integrating the simple things, natural things that anyone can do into their life. The first day I start, I say, starting tomorrow, when you wake up, you will drink cup of lukewarm water with lime. You know this one. A lot of people know this one, right? Some people don't. And then, you know, I ask you, how are you doing it? And once you've done it for a few days, few weeks, you will keep doing it. You feel good, right? Mm -hmm. So, So that's how I was able to put them together without mixing them. So let me give you an example. In a given week, one day, you might have a meditation class, a Bikram Yoga class, a Dharma class, a uh, breathing uh, practice. And we even, uh, we even do like go to a boxing gym to do boxing training uh, for many, many different reasons. And like that, and maybe you have, uh, you get together with a, our nutritionist or you will have a, you know, a consultation with me and maybe I'll ask you to watch a video or, and things like that. And uh, slowly, slowly, you know, I, I ask you every day, now do this. Find the time when you're going to do it. And now start thinking this way, do the research this way. Mm-hmm. And what, I, what, what has happened is this is what happened in my life. I'm just sharing what happened in me. And I think if I go back to the practice of Hatha Yoga, I came to practice Hatha Yoga after I had been meditating for maybe eight or 10 years. And I would get this, this message, you know, like, hey, you can't just sit on your cushion anymore. You want more youth, you want more life, you, want, you have to do, be active with your body, right? Mm-hmm. And I had stopped all physical activity because all I wanted is to be sitting meditating. Yeah. I felt so amazing, that's all I wanted. And I kept getting this message, this message, this message. So I started looking and and it happened to me that when I went to a Bikram Yoga class, I really found it to be a very profound meditation and I started practicing every day. But I integrated that, that's probably one of the last things I integrated into my, my, my life. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. It's your own, it's like your own personal journey and path um, crystallized into a process that's more easily shareable with a systematic way of integrating one piece at a time. So how would someone go about if they wanted to take on this, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but perhaps this, this change in way of living, what would they do? What would be the first step? So the best is to go to yourcare.com. That's Y-O-G-A-C-A-R-E, yogacare.com. And there you will see the page for uh, 
go full circle. And you can just uh, click there and make an appointment, come and see us and we can explain more about it. Or, or just come to our studio. We're, we have a studio here in the financial district, as you can hear. We're in the financial district. We're in Fulton, one to one Fulton Street. Joaquin, just find us at Joaquin here in New York. Or if you're somewhere else, we ha I have people that come from all over the country to, to do this program uh, and um, send us a message. Mm -hmm. But if you can, come to the studio. It'll be a, an honor to have you here. You might run into Henry one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay, I want to kind of wind the clock back a little bit because we yeah. briefly touched on your transition out of the corporate world, but I know from my own personal experience that that is not really something that you just breeze over. So I'd love for you to kind of dig in a little deeper there and talk about your experience grappling with that transition and what sort of struggles came up, what sort of internal conflicts came up and how you used your practice to get through them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I always say, you know, the, the objective of practicing this is not so that people have the same experience, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, but this is, this was my particular case. So I, um, when I, when I started, uh, let's call it consciously practicing in the path, because when once you do it, you realize that many things in your life prepare you for the, for the for the moment, right? So as I look back, and I uh, and I and I started consciously doing this, I this became the most important thing for me. In me, what happened? It's awakened like a deep, deep desire to achieve the only thing that we should all desire to achieve, right? which is, uh, you know, our liberation or freedom or whatever you want to call it. So, so I, I said like everything I used to like feel I was a really busy executive. Right. And when my teacher said, you have to practice this every, every day, I'm like, he's crazy. What is yeah, he no talking way. about? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a very busy executive. You know, I used to run, you know, at the time I was just running, uh, the marketing and sales for a big corporation in Latin America, traveling all the time. And I'm like, but then I said, okay, maybe I'll, I'll do it for, uh, for, um, five minutes, three times a week. But then I would sit and then I feel this experience. And I like wanted to do it more and more. So I started exploring it, um, uh, a lot on my own because then I moved to New York. I went, when, when it first happened, I was living in Mexico and then I was um, promoted to New York. And so now I was practicing on my own for many hours. You know, I, I set a little space for me to meditate. First, I used to do it in my living room, but then I, I was uh, doing it in a little, I put a little, you know, an altar and everything and put music and a candle and all that sort of thing that would help. And, uh, and I enjoyed it. So what started happening is I started going to retreats, right? It was like two worlds. I had my corporate world, and every morning I'd be like in my meditation world, or whenever I go in a retreat, I'll be in my retreat world. And I started having this big yearning to, to really want to go from one 
to the other, right, or to share. And actually, it's it's it, what happened is that uh, this after a few years, you know, I've been already doing this for maybe like I don't know, maybe seven years, eight years. I already was like uh, I had become a Reiki master already, and I had been doing many tantra teachers with my beloved teacher Margot Anand, you know, who is the founder of Sky Dancing Tantra. And uh, and uh, anyway, I'm doing this meditation and. At my company, they announced that they're going to do a, a big cut. And I raised my hand. And, of course, they came and said, no, 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 I mean, are you crazy? You cannot go. And then I said, uh, and then I spoke, you know, with the CEO and said, look, I, he's like, are you going to go to the competition or what? And I'm like, no, I want to just do, you know, the yoga and meditation. He like went, oh, my God well, don't go funny on me. And I'm like, you know, this is what I want to do. And he said, okay, so give me some time, da-da-da. And so before I finished my, my, my job, I was like, yeah, you know, because they, all, they gave me a, a nice package, beautiful, everything. It was like perfect, right? right. And this is now. Now I'm going to be able to just be in the retreats and share it and teach it. Yes. And then I get three really very good job offers, really good job offers, things that I always wanted, you know, big jobs, mm -hmm. good money is like, and I'm meditating saying like, what is going on? Why? Why? Yeah. Is this and a then, sign or is it a test? What's happening here? Exactly. So I'll tell you what, you know, because of the way of my cosmovision, I don't see anything as a test because I don't think we get tested. It's the universe speaking to you, dancing with you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, and I'm lucky that I was meditating at the time because otherwise I would have like just gone out and lost the thing that we started this talk with, my synchronicity with the loss of universe, mm -hmm. right? Right which there's a law, which is the law of karma. And is the universe, in my meditation, I clearly saw, listen, this is what I'm putting in front of you. I'm not putting in front of you to go and teach at whatever. I'm giving you these things because there's something there for you. And I realized that I had two separate worlds. I would, I didn't have one world and I, decided to take a very great job that I had for a few years with the objective of merging my meditation, retreat, spiritual world with my corporate world. And I took this job and I had to build a, a global sales force. I traveled more than ever all around the world. And uh, as I traveled and as I negotiated multi-million contracts, I would always be as if I'm dealing with a retreat, I'll be using these techniques intensely now, visualization techniques and all the other techniques I have used and always moving from love, my breathing techniques, everything, so that every moment of my life, I would feel like I felt when I was in my practice. Mm -hmm. This comes from the tantric tradition. This is what tantra is for me. If you ask me what is tantra, it's that to turn your human experience into the practice every moment of it you know and that was so beautiful 
and it happened. And then after a few years, I still had this yearning to to just dedicate my life to 100% just to teaching. And once again, I just went, this time no package, nothing. I just said, I gotta, I, I wanna leave. So there's there's a lot of fire in that decision, you know. It, it's it's stepping out of what everyone believes, you know. People close to you, you know, like, I remember my father saying, you know, don't do this, are you crazy? Look how successful you are. Why do you have to do this? It's not necessary, right? But how do you explain? How do you explain when you know you have to do something? And this is like 16 years ago. And what happened in the last 16 years is what would have otherwise happened to me in many lifetimes because the time just accelerates so much. And so so I went to, yeah, I had to, oh, and there's another thing, like for example, the first person I spoke with was with my beloved uh, wife and partner and who, you know, has always supported me on everything and said, this is what I want to do, you know, and then talk to my children and say, hey, you know, our lifestyles will change, you know, and, uh, but this is what I want. And the reaction of everyone and it's, it was just beautiful. Then you know something is right, right? You know, when you feel it in your heart, follow it. Mm. Now, here's the key. Follow it with no attachment, no expectation to the act, to the outcome. You know? Right. Well, that's what because... I actually love so much about this story is that when you first had the itch to break away from your, your career, you were presented with this option to kind of come back into it. And instead of, you know, you could have easily said, no, I, I have to be a spiritual person now. But really to do that would have been to cave into the pressures of the ego. But instead, exactly. you, you saw the opportunity as really a chance to integrate your experience and bring, like you said, your definition of Tantra, to bring your practice into the human experience that you have in front of you. And if we're talking about business, I mean, really that is the, the scaled out way to serve. And if we can incorporate practice into business, then that is actually a, a great way to have a huge impact on the world. And then when you did eventually go off and dedicate yourself to the teaching, I think all of that experience that led you to that place feeds into your unique ability to reach a certain type of person. Yes, yes, and uh, and obviously being in the financial district, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but but uh, I always like to be very practical more than you know like the words. So I'll I'll give I'll share with everyone that's uh, that's listening. Uh, the main way I find to be able to do this to bring into business this part, uh, this part of service, this part of is by every time that you remember, you know, whenever it just pops up, think of your breath. Mm -hmm. That means try to feel your breath, okay? And when you're breathing, realize that your breath is what gives you life. So as you breathe, feel that the life is coming to you as you inhale and exhale. You know, in this process, you're bringing life to you. And feel it actually physically. Eventually, the more you practice it, you will feel how it's filling you with life, right? Yes. And that will immediately, in just a few breaths, open within you your true 
your truth. So you observe them. And then the second thing, so every time, it might be, you know, like today, right now, maybe you're practicing. Maybe right now you're closing your eyes. And as I'm speaking, you can feel the breath. A good, a good sensation of feeling the breath is when you inhale, pull it up from your, the soles of your feet up through your body. And when you exhale, you send it down, out through your feet. Okay? And so you bring in the life and you feel that. And then this is going to last for like about one or two breaths and then you're going to get distracted. Maybe it'll be yeah. three days or four days and you'll remember that you heard this and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let me try it again. The more you do it, eventually you will be connecting with it all the time. Now the way you move, the way you walk, the way you talk and what you express is in total synchronicity because when you breathe, you there's no choice. You you can't be distracted by the ideas of what we have. And the, and the second one is you have to have detachment of the outcome. You have to follow everything that the universe puts in front of you, but don't have any attachments. Yes, you, 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 you can have a vision of what you think this is going to take you to, but you don't have an attachment that that is what is going to happen. Yeah, be, be, be willing to be wrong. Be willing to things to change or yeah. to be whatever it's going to be. I mean, how can we know what it's going to be? Right. You know? Well, with that being said, yes, everybody, I think, just took a nice deep breath in and hopefully a nice deep breath out. That's the perfect segue into the final section of this interview, which I like to call the prana round. In the prana round, I'm going to ask you six rapid-fire questions and ask you to answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay, Ulysses? Does that sound good? Yeah, I like it. Okay. <laughs> Number one, in one word, why do you practice yoga? To realize myself. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? I don't like anyone. They all hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay what is the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from any of your teachers and this single um or one that sticks out in your memory yeah breathe 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 okay recommend one book either modern or ancient for our listeners the Autobiography of a Yogi. By Yogananda. Okay. Yeah. Is yoga for everyone? Absolutely. Okay. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? I cannot answer that in one word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead. Take your time. So, yogacare.com. Uh at the studio at Yoga Curry, it'd be an honor to have you here in any of our classes. I also do retreats. Um, and if you want to find me in so, uh, social media, uh, at Ulysses, and that's U-L-I-S-E-S, Yogi, Y-O-G-A. U-L-I-S-E-S, Y-O-G-I. At Ulysses Yogi. Okay, great. Ulysses, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you and pick your brain on so many different topics. And 
I know that we'll continue this conversation soon in the future. So thank you so much for sharing with the Dharma Talk community and have a lovely, blessed day. Thank you very much, Henry. I, I want to, from the center of the center of my being, thank you for what you do because uh, I know you touch many lives. And if one person heard us and their life, they come to this uh to integrate into the lives these techniques, then we are both blessed. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.